Hello, everyone. This is Reb Brad, and you're listening to the Soccer Chaplains United podcast from the Touchline. We're in the midst of Holy Week 2023. Tomorrow's Monday, Thursday. It's a day when Christians everywhere recognize Jesus institutes a new covenant, a new command to love as he loves. Today on the podcast, we take a moment to look back and a moment to look around at our current condition with an eye toward the present and future of how we might be and how we might serve with the football teams we're on. So stay tuned. We look at some footy right after this. He's found the space and he's found the back of the net. Just a little off foot thinking he's going to go far post. Not strong enough with his right hand. Whips that one in. Far post. Almost made him in. And they have. He has the hat trick. The second in his career. The third of the night. The hat trick hero. Talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure. To the corner, goes towards the near post, and you're on the angle, and what a goal! What a goal! Tomorrow is the Thursday before the Passover feast. And if we look back historically, we see that on this night, Jesus is with his best friends, the disciples, in an upper room. Reading the text of John 13, we know that Jesus has come to this point in his life where he understands that the time has come. The sacrifice, the laying down of his life, the cross, all this lays ahead of him. Now, while the rest of his crew probably didn't see it or understand it, Jesus knows it's coming down to this. A last night, a last supper, a last moment with some of his best friends in life. John 13, we see Jesus get up from the meal. He begins to serve the disciples. Doing this, he takes off his outer robe. He wraps a towel or an apron around himself, and he begins to wash the feet of the disciples. He pours water into the basin and dries their feet with that towel that's wrapped around him. Now, if you don't know, this task is one usually back in these times reserved for a servant. But seeing that Jesus and his friends are in a borrowed space, and probably everyone was hungry, ready to eat, no one had done the task of washing the feet as they had come into the evening meal. Now, the road grime was real, and it was on everyone, whether it was the dust of the pathway in between the toes, or maybe the scraps of some food or lettuce or something else from the marketplace where they had walked through getting, getting prepared for tonight's meal. Or maybe even worse, maybe it's that animal excrement that someone accidentally stepped in, wiped it as best as they could, but didn't really tell anybody about it. Well, no matter what it was, it made no difference. Jesus tenderly, gingerly takes the feet of each one of his friends, and no matter what they've walked through during the day, he washes it away. Jesus comes to Peter. Peter, of course, is resistant. He asks inquisitively, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Now, I imagine Peter was miffed. Miffed that no one volunteered for the role, uh, maybe miffed that Jesus had put them all to shame with this humble service and action. I think Peter probably had some humble thoughts about who should be washing his feet, but he also has some pride. Both things, to me, seem to be getting in the way, and Jesus tells Peter, look, you need to be washed. Peter, ever the extremist, takes us too far. Then wash all of me, Jesus. And Jesus gives a corrective. Look, a person who's had a bath needs only to have his feet cleaned. You're clean. I only need to wash your feet. 
it's in this interaction. I think there's a few things that as we think that tomorrow is Monday, Thursday, we can learn a few things from Jesus and his words and his interaction with Peter here. The, the first thing is this, you know, what gets in the way of you and me receiving what we need? Sometimes I think we can be overly humble. Like maybe that's a posture that kind of gets in the way or, or maybe the, sometimes there's an imbalance of pride. Uh, maybe we use an excuse. Maybe there's a bit of avoidance on our part or, or something else in our personality that puts up this resistance to getting any sort of help or, or, or anyone else serving us in a particular way. Peter needed this physical, but more importantly, a spiritual cleansing from Jesus. And there are sometimes spiritual things we need to be cleaned of, relieved of. It doesn't mean that we have to get baptized all over again or start our faith journey from square one. It's interesting in the message translation of the Bible, uh, we see this portion kind of get translated out as Jesus telling Peter that his concern is for holiness, not hygiene. I I know for a lot of my life, I was, and I still struggle to this day, with the hygiene aspect, with the outward appearance, as it were. See, I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned that people know I'm a Christian. They know I'm a chaplain, a pastor. So I want to make sure that people see me and, and, they, and I look good externally, like my life looks put together and orderly and organized and maybe even perfect. But I do that to the expense of putting up this facade and there's really an internal work that still needs to go on inside of my heart and my life. There's some ugliness, some dirtiness that I know Jesus needs to clean. Well, there's a second piece I think that we can learn about and lean into here, and that's Jesus's comment to Peter. You don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. I think this gets a bit at our spiritual progression. You know, many times we want to have it all figured out. We want to have it all put together before we take a significant spiritual step forward. But here's this space where Jesus is saying, you know, total understanding isn't necessary. Sometimes before we engage in an activity or we, we go into this procession of our faith. In Christian circles, many times we make mention of several B, quote unquote, movements in faith. From believing, to belonging, to behaving, to becoming. Those four Bs, there's usually some type of debate around the succession of order and how we engage in these things and how they progressively or successively work out in faith. I don't want to get into that debate here. But we see each of these at work in the story. Jesus here is asking Peter to behave, perhaps, before he believes. Like, hey, Peter, do this thing. I know you don't get it. Do this. Let me do this to you, for you, with you. You'll understand it later. And that'll become a basis of belief for Peter to turn around and serve his fellow brothers, his fellow disciples and friends. You know, sometimes in our faith and in other parts of our lives, we sometimes have to take that step across a chasm to learn we're not going to fall. And following on, we see that Jesus doesn't merely just wash the disciples' feet for the sake of the moment. It's not just about the road grime of the day. He's teaching, as he usually does and setting an example. And this really becomes the basis, the call for each of us. As we follow Jesus, he's inviting us to become, to use that other B language, like he is. Essentially, we're to turn around and do the same kind of work to and for others. We're essentially to become servant to others. 
So what's this look like in football? I mean, really, if you've been in a locker before, if you're a pro footballer, have you ever looked at your own feet or a teammate's feet? They are typically ugly and disgusting. I know. I've seen them. Bruised, broken, toes, toenails. Things are malformed. They're yellow with some fungal infection. I mean, I have no guys that have routine podiatrist appointments every week trying to get their feet cared for. Footballers' feet undergo so much strain and trauma from whether it's the countless miles run, the tremendous force and impact that happens in the midst of training and playing. So as we read the text of John 13 and we see Jesus wants us to become like him, is he calling us to be podiatrists and taking care of people's feet, their physical feet? No, of course not. So let me offer some practical ways that we ought to be quote unquote foot washing for those of us and and those that are around us, whether we're in the locker room, whether we're in the boot room or in the back room. First, if washing the feet is not about hygiene, but holiness, if it's not about cleaning an entire person, but only a part of the person, it seems to suggest something to me like this. We need to check in on people at a significant level to see how they're doing. You know, maybe since we're post pandemic and there's been a great emphasis on mental health, this might seem like a no brainer in our day and age, but let me reemphasize it here. Are we checking in on those around us, our teammates, our coaching colleagues, other staff? And and I don't mean a surface level, how are you doing? And then dropping it. I mean, a a true check-in where we're able to maybe be in a space where people can open up, they trust us and, and we make sure that they don't feel neglected or ignored. We, we actually create an environment where they can truthfully share if and when and how things are going for them in their lives. A second thing is I see washing feet seems to be an activity that maybe is briefer. Maybe it's more frequent of a time frame. Um, you know, if you're a parent and you've got kids, you don't give a bath every night uh, unless that's become part of your routine. But more frequently, you bathe them every few days, just from a time standpoint. Well, washing feet is this more regular, frequent thing, it seems, in at least in Jesus's day. And I wonder if we can incorporate that into a rhythm that maybe is already existing. Maybe we build it into something that we're already doing. I remember um, the pro club I serve as chaplain, as volunteer chaplain, didn't have in, in its history as much resource uh, during some of the years as it does now. And I remember a couple of years where several of the veteran players who were being paid more and, and, and they were a little bit more experienced and wise, they would bring in morning bagels and fruit and coffee. And, and they noticed that the young rookie players were on a low wage and they weren't really looking after themselves nutritionally in the mornings before training. So it was the sacrifice of those older, wiser players to the betterment and help of the younger ones. And I took that as an example of love and service because you know what? It created pathways for relationship to be formed. And those younger players saw something modeled before them. They saw these older players taking out of their own pocket to care for and to create space for those younger players to, to be better, to have more energy, or maybe just to share something in the morning. Maybe for you and me, we need to examine not just teammates or staff, but even our own families, our, our partner, our children, if we have them, how are we engaged in a daily rhythm of washing their feet? 
you know, when, when your spouse gets done with work or, or gets back from a particular moment, you know, maybe we just need to have a check-in time, a moment on the couch, a, a moment around the dinner table. Maybe we need to create space around a meal time that lets us check in with our kids to see how tough was their day at school. You know, if, especially as they go into middle school and, and high school years, those can be very difficult times. Do we have the space? Do we have routines and rhythms? Maybe maybe for someone who's far away from us, we set up that FaceTime or call that allows us to give appropriate attention to those God has placed right in front of us. Finally, last thing, I think there's an extent to which we can wash the feet of someone, but if they need greater, more significant help, we might need to be the ones who help them get there. Think about this person struggling with a mental health or spiritual health issue that goes beyond our capabilities or understandings. They might just need someone who can go with them to that place or, or to that person for healing or for help. We might not be the right person to see them bathed in healing or bathed in help, but because we've diligently, faithfully been washing their feet, we can become an encouragement, a source of strength, a support for maybe a more difficult step or moment. Maybe it's us. We go to the counseling office with someone. Maybe we get them connected to a therapist in our network or someone we've seen that can give them particular tools. And maybe we we walk them to the door or, or walk them into the appointment. Maybe we sit in the pastor's office or the chaplain's office with them as they spill out the pain of their life, the thing they're going through. And we just kind of hold them up in a particularly difficult moment. My friends, especially for those of you that are Christian, during this holy week, let me encourage you. You and I, we, we need to better examine ourselves, our lives, and to ask whom might we need to better serve? Whom among us might we need to be washing their feet, attending to the daily grit and grime that seems to accumulate on our hearts and lives? The call for us really is a call to become a servant, to care for those around us, our family, our friends, our teammates, even our enemies. Let me close with a blessing. It takes its cue from a song written some 50 years ago. You can find the full song entitled, Let Me Be Your Servant. And maybe for your situation, you change out a few of the words, maybe brother to sister, you know, depending on your context. But perhaps something in here can be something you incorporate into your team, your family, or some other place God calls you to utter such a prayer. You know, maybe maybe you're headed into the stadium and as you're listening to this podcast, maybe you just pray or sing Say these words so that you can be a servant to your teammates, to coaches, to others around you that are underneath your influence or underneath your care. Maybe it's family members, friends. I don't know who it is, but consider these words. Reflect on them. Brother, let me be your servant. Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I may have the grace to let you be my servant too. We are pilgrims on a journey and companions on the road. We are here to help each other walk the mile and bear the load. Brother, let me be your servant. Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I may have the grace to let you be my servant too. I will hold the Christ light for you in the nighttime of your fear. I will hold my hand out to you. Speak the peace you long to hear. Amen. Friends, this Holy Week, may you be washed, 
may be refreshed and renewed, and may our hearts be glad as we approach Easter. This is Reb Brad coming to you from the Touchline.